Welcome to the Understanding Jesus podcast. I'm Troy Richards, the senior pastor here at First Baptist Church in Jackson, Missouri. I'm joined by our worship pastor, Daniel Mawson, and we're glad you decided to join us today. This podcast was created to show how all of God's Word leads us to a better understanding of Jesus, the Messiah, our Savior and Lord. Our church is working through a reading plan to read the entire Bible in a year, and each week we invite people to share what insights they've learned and what the Holy Spirit has revealed through the reading of God's Word. We'll also address some questions, some serious, some that are a lot of fun to talk about, all from this week's reading. And we pray that you will see how amazing the Bible is to read each and every day. And by us sharing some of our highlights, we hope you will be inspired to read it for yourself. You can find our reading plan and read along with us at www.firstbaptistjackson.com. Okay, well, welcome to the Understanding Jesus podcast. George, um, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself before we get going? Well, um, I'm George, and I was, I've was i been coming to this church since nine months before I was born. No last name, just... Yeah, just George. Just protect the identity. Just Everybody will know. That's right. So, um, I've been here longer than most of y'all. Um, I've seen pastors come and go, but I love our current pastor and our current thank, thank music you. minister. Thank you for that. Um, <laughs> I was here when you got here. I'll be here when you leave. <laughs> so I, I come with the building. Um, but I've been teaching high school, Sunday school uh, for the past 10 years, and I've really enjoyed it. Um, did that straight, straight when I got out of the Air Force. And so it's just something I've always enjoyed. Air Force. That's yeah. exciting. What years were you in the Air Force? Uh, 2008, 2012. Oh, wow. Good for you. That's great. Is that, a, is that a highlight in life, or is that a... I enjoyed the people and the pay, but the lifestyle just wasn't for me. Okay. But uh, sure. it was... I was in the desert of Texas all four years, and so it was like my, my time in the desert where I really um, knuckled down and uh, learned about the Bible. Um, read through Genesis, must have been a dozen times. So I love wow. I love the book. So excellent. Yeah. And for those who cannot see George in this podcast, his posture is impeccable. So you could have known from <laughs> from just looking at him That's right. that he spent some time in the military. Daniel and I are both slouches. Yes, so it's, it's easy to <laughs> no see. No military time. Yeah, for no us. military time for us. Yeah. <laughs> So this week, um, this is week three, so we're going to be in Genesis chapters 37 through 50, Psalm chapters 9 through 14, Proverbs chapter uh, 3, verses uh, 31 through chapter 4, verse 24, and in Matthew chapters 13 through 16. So if you need to pause the podcast and go do a little bit of catch up, <laughs> that this is your moment, this is the time. And you're back. <laughs> and, uh, and and how appropriate that you love Genesis, and we are closing out the book of Genesis. Yeah. Yeah. So, and wow, what a book! What a mm-hmm. book! Very exciting. Lots of adventure, lots of story, action, romance, and crazy things. Yes, I thought we were going to have to do a PG-13 rating on last week's podcast. That <laughs> <laughs> we're going to have to have a little disclaimer there at the beginning, Caleb and. Uh, um, for reasons she doesn't understand she channels amanda uh, Bynes. <laughs> yeah caleb and whitney that was it was a fun fun time not that this isn't fun too george mm-hmm. but yeah but well anyway. i mean uh caleb's in my Sunday school class and evan was in my Sunday school class so it's good to hear yeah, them there you know. go. absolutely good to know they're reading the bible yeah. yes yeah all right cool well tell us what you uh, uh what what did you get out of the reading this week that stuck out or was a kind of a standout passage or verse to you this week uh, well, just uh, going through Genesis, like I said, I've read it many times, but you know, every time you read it, something new um, sticks out. And really, um, to me, was God's faithfulness to um, jo- to Jacob and then to Joseph, that uh, he was always with him, and that promise that he had given to Abraham and to Isaac was then reinstated onto him. And uh, 
Joseph, when he was being buried or when he was dying, he said, hey, um, God is going to visit you. He's going to bring you out of this land and bring my bones with you. Mm. Um, that he knew that sometime in the future that God was going to deliver them. And so God was faithful in that. Um, and then in the New Testament, just the amount of times that Jesus healed. Like I know that he healed many people, but um, I, I read it more in bulk and just and he healed this this person, this person, this person. And it's just I can't imagine there's any sickness or disease left in the land of Israel during the time of Jesus. Yeah. Uh, he just healed so many people. Um, and the patience that he had with his disciples, because he was telling them these uh, the parables and then he gave explanation for the parables and still they didn't understand. And so he sat them down and gave them a more simple explanation and then it says, and then they understood. You can see that, ah, you know, we finally yeah. get it moment. Yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah. Wow. You mentioned how um, reading it all in bulk, I just think it's it's so great to read the Bible um, like a little bit at a time and so slowly mm. that you're getting every single little word. But when you read it narratively like we've been doing, you get such a picture of the grand scope of everything he's doing. Yeah. Yeah, for me, it's hard to flip back and forth each day, so I just read the sections in Genesis for the week, and then uh, Matthew, and then Psalms and Proverbs. So yeah. it's easier for me to keep track that way. Hmm. Good deal. It's good. Yeah, yeah. This is a um, uh, you know, as we close out Genesis, you end up with um, obviously the children of Israel going into Egypt. It is really the book is the story of how, uh, first of all, how God brought everything into creation, how He uh, formed a covenant with Noah formed a covenant with Abraham, uh, then and Abraham's sons, that covenant is passed along. Knowing that Moses is the one who is recording this information for us, you can kind of get this idea that this is really important for the children of Israel as they are making this exodus out of Egypt and going into the promised land. He's laying the groundwork for here's here's our story, you know, and, and it ends very appropriately with, like you said, Joseph saying, Hey, you're you're going to be going back mm-hmm. to that place, and and don't uh, and we're going to find out next week next uh, week. how that actually does transpire. Awesome. Yeah. Well, um, just another thing that I'd never seen before was when Jacob was blessing his sons. Uh, he said to Simeon and Levi that they were going to be dispersed throughout Israel, and uh, you know Simeon he kind of loses this territory and kind of uh, just dissolves into Judah, right. whereas Levi uh, he is redeemed later when they join Moses. Um, there at the Mount Sinai, at uh, yeah Mount Sinai, um, and then Levi becomes a priest, and so they are distributed about among the people, but for good reason. Yeah, um, and so you know Jacob just a little bit of prophecy there. Yeah, his blessings aren't really a blessing to some yeah. of us. <laughs> like Dad, what? Yeah. <laughs> really? I think you're missing the point. Is that did. all you? Is that all you got for me? Wow. And I was, it's also interesting that he, being the younger son. Uh, how he then enforces that on mm-hmm. uh, Joseph's sons, and Joseph, <laughs> and Joseph, oddly enough, this is how culturally entrenched that is. Joseph is not the oldest son, mm-hmm. and and yet he wants the blessing bestowed on his eldest son. Uh, yet uh, Jacob, never one to follow custom, uh, <laughs> yeah. says, "Nope, this is what <laughs> I'm putting Ephraim ahead," yeah. and uh, and blesses him greater with it gives him the greater blessing or whatever. So. But just by signified by his right hand upon him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so didn't it say something like it made him mad or it displeased him? Yes. Yeah. Like it but wasn't just, Joseph, hey, yeah. Dad, you're making a mistake. It was, yeah. oh, hey, Dad. <laughs> Sorry, you got this wrong. Yeah. And was going to switch his hands. Yeah. It's like, it's like let, let me fix this for you, old man. <laughs> I could see me doing that with, uh, <laughs> uh, with elderly parents. <laughs> well, with uh, birth order, how, how creepy it must have been for uh, Joseph's brothers when he sat them down according to their birth order. You know, they just looked at each other. 
<laughs> what's going on yeah yeah, so. yeah absolutely and uh and and the i love the uh the moment where joseph reveals himself mm-hmm. to his brothers that the whole process and it is a long process i mean i can only imagine that you talk about patience mm-hmm. it's it's like we're gonna <laughs> i'm gonna send you home i'm gonna put your money back in your bags or whatever and then keep uh, simeon right is the one he kept and then sends the rest of them back to their dad or whatever <laughs> and, and how do you feel and here simeon gets this horrible blessing from his father he also <laughs> he also is the one the dad's yeah. like i don't care if they keep simeon <laughs> don't ever go back yeah i don't want to lose benjamin but who cares about simeon <laughs> poor guy and i know poor simeon it's like like to read his biography sometime but the uh uh, but then it gets the famine is such that they have to go back and and take Benjamin back. And the whole time Daniel knows that he's not. Going, I'm Daniel. I really I'm looking at, I'm looking at Daniel. Uh, I'm putting you in Joseph's place. Oh great. Uh, you you look like you have that. He's got the shirt of many colors. I have a shirt. Yes. I have two colors. Yes. <laughs> Three. Uh, but anyway, so you have Joseph who goes back, and or Joseph who's there waiting for them to come back and knows how all this is going to unfold. But yet he continues to play this game of that goes on for months, if not years. So, mm-hmm. and then ultimately has this big reveal. Uh, but even then, wasn't going to tell him. You know, saying I'm going to keep Benjamin here with me, and still was not going to tell them who he was uh, until finally uh, he is moved by Judah being willing to die for his brother. You know, mm-hmm. saying take my life instead of our brother and so forth. And I think it, I think it's all a, a, a message of seeing the repentance of his brothers and seeing that they really are changed people. It uh, And they really are changed people. I, I think sometimes we get it fixed in our head that people are the same as they were in this particular one moment in time, mm-hmm. that, that they are going to be that same way mm-hmm. forever. Mm-hmm. That And you hear people say that, people don't change. And I don't know why people say that. Because everybody I know yeah. changes, yeah. <laughs> and God changes people repeatedly. Uh, it's the I think the cynical view we have of humanity, but uh, but but in this all throughout Scripture you see this redemptive process in place, and 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 they really are humbled uh, before God. I think it's really that really comes out at a place where uh, Joseph tells his brothers that they can come into the land of Goshen, and he, and he specifically says to them, "Don't tell Pharaoh that you are shepherds." Because they hate shepherds here, and so just say that you're keepers of livestock. And and when Pharaoh comes and says, "What do you do?" They go, "We're shepherds." <laughs> and it's like, whoa! And you can just feel Joseph going, "What? I just told you this. Why are you doing?" But I think they were just saying, you know, this is who we are. We will take whatever, however God deals with us, however you mean to deal with us. We're not gonna. There's no sense of pretense anymore. There's no trying to be something we are not. We we will take whatever you give to us, and we'll be thankful for it. Uh, so it really is a, a, a showing of how much they changed over the years. Yeah, that's good. Uh, the, there's a point there where, uh, you know, Reuben, he's saying to his father, hey, father, if we don't come back, then take my sons, you know, kill them as well. And, uh, you know, Jacob, he's like, what will that accomplish? You know, if I lose yeah. my son, Benjamin, down there, and then I take your sons in his place, uh, it's not going to accomplish anything. And so I think it's just a, a picture there of us trying to pay for our own sins, our own mistakes, right. mm-hmm. um, that ultimately, no matter how much we pay, it's not going to do anything. It's just going to make things worse. I just need to trust in that God will provide for us. And there really isn't a, um, you can, there's no, um, 
Jacob does not hide his feelings for each of his children and so mm-hmm. forth. It is, it's almost unsettling how open he is about his feelings about his older children versus his young children, his favoritism towards Joseph and Benjamin and, and so forth. And, and the older siblings almost accept it. It's like, you know, this is, he's the son of the, the woman that he loved, you know, and, uh, and our mom was, you know, not that one. And, uh, and, and so you have this, uh, it's really, it's not, doesn't really fit into our idea of how a family should be, that he should have this love and care for all of them. And also, uh, it's, I keep having to remind myself that they're not young men, that they have older children. Even when they say our little ones, their little ones have little ones. So it's like they, they're not kids, they're, uh, they're grown men. Uh, and uh, and and getting up there, and I think what, what is uh, what is Jacob? He's a hundred and thirty, hundred thirty when he gets there. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, no spring chicken at yeah. this point. So. They have plenty of kids. You know, yeah, just a lot of goats. That, yeah, <laughs> but um, ah. like those. <laughs> oh man! Thank you for your <laughs> get off our <Yes>. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What about you, Daniel? What did you come up with? Yeah, so, I mean, just in Genesis or just all yeah, across yeah, the board, yeah. I've got, there are a bunch of stuff in this, so in Genesis 50, right at the end, um, I thought the, the line that is very popular but just sums up the whole book is, um, what you meant for evil, God is meant for good. Mm. And it just takes, really, not just Genesis, but the whole Bible of people messing up and really just trying to do their own thing, but God turning it around and saying, nope, 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 I have my own plans through your disobedience, I've, I'm, I'm choosing to remain faithful um, through that, and I just think that's, that's such a great, you know, ending period right on the, to tack onto the book, um, and so, and and that's 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 so powerful for me because, when I mean things for evil, um, my hope is that, Christ is going to come around and, and in fact work work His sovereign will, yeah. into making things you know good. Well, it has that Romans eight twenty eight yeah. kind of ring to it, where where Paul says, you know, um, that God works all things together for good to those who love Him and are called according to His purpose, and and that is that is a truth about God that now that we see goes from all the way from back in Genesis all the way forward into the New Testament church, and uh, and and is an abiding truth today. I think a lot of people get caught up in God's perfect will versus His permissive will. Did God really intend for these things to happen and so forth? But the reality is, is that God's will is being unfolded and can't be thwarted. And He, you have to account for sin because sin is in the world. It's not. Uh, there is no world that is without sin. Mm-hmm. There is no means in order to provide a redeemer. It's not like God had a picture of a world where there would be no sin. Um, God, being eternal, sees it all, yeah. and 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 it's not from beginning to end. He's outside of our realm of time, and so you have him. Uh, the point of having a redeemer, the point of needing Christ, is the fact that sin is in the world, and there was no possible way for that to happen otherwise. Um, and so, yeah, it, it, it's awesome. That's I also think that is awesome about how um, Joseph could see that. And, and really is a great story. Joseph is an incredible man of character. Mm-hmm. I mean, he has all these opportunities to really mess up, and yet he he holds the, this high standard. You know, when he, when he is given, an, and he's always put in leadership uh, 
places. Not really seeking to be in leadership places, but he's a natural leader and has that vision that he's going to be in leadership even as a young man and is hated for it. But there it is. You know, he had these dreams of his brothers bowing down to him and his father bowing down to him, you know, and, and even his father rebuked him for it. You know, so even I'm going to bow to you. And then lo and behold, uh, wouldn't that be a moment when there he is and they are all bowing down to him? And that's just, and he was just a person. I mean, it's kind of a curse blessing kind of thing from God to for God to give you this type of insight. I mean, he was just simply communicating, this is what God has shown me. You know, I'm not the one who is making the message. I'm just telling you what I'm seeing. And to have other people get angry or upset or, you know, hate you for uh, for the things that you're just saying, this is, I don't, I'm not trying to say that I want this. I'm just saying, this is what God is revealing. Yeah, and th- and that kind of leads into the, the other thing I was looking at Matthew chapter 13, um, where Jesus is talking about the, the stalks of wheat and um, and weeds that that are growing, and he's given that kind of a parable that um, you know this guy is trying to grow this these crops, and he planted good seed, but then an enemy comes and he messes it all up, and then his servants ask if he you know if, if the master the sower wants to wants them to come and um, take away all the weeds. And he said, no, because you might get some of the good stuff um, along with it. And um, that's just encouraging for me. Like in ministry, it's it's frustrating to see so much, like, so much sin, you know, mm. um, so much stuff going on. And um, not frustrating, it just can be discouraging sometimes. And and to have that, that word that says, you know, God is leaving things there so that you're not harmed. You know, if mm. if he was going to come and judge justly, there would be there would be prices to pay that you don't want to deal with. Um, so um, it's better for you that you grow around all the sin that's going on, um, and and eventually justice will happen and and we will be with him forever. But um, but for now, it's for our good that he that he waits. Yeah, and and we also need to learn to wait as a result of yeah. that. I mean, he he is extending that grace to us. I mean, the, heaven forbid he had come at a particular moment in my life and mm. said, this is how I'm going, this is how I look at you and this is how I see you, yeah. you know, and it's like, ah, I hope I'm better than this, <laughs> like, you know, and, and through his, rede- same thing with Jacob's brother, uh, mm-hmm. Jacob's sons that we were looking at earlier, through the redemptive process, you see the change that change takes place in their lives. And we have seen that how much people have changed over the course of their lives. When we look at people at any given moment in time, we can't see what they are going to become. We can't see the fruit they will eventually bear. And that is what God is waiting. And he patiently is waiting for that to come out. I mean, if he had come, if Jesus had returned 50 years ago, uh, well, 52 years ago, <laughs> wow. If he had returned 52 years ago, none of us would have been included in the kingdom. And yet he wanted us to be born in our fallen state. He gave us time to live even in a time of sin that we lived sinfully. But even in that gave it extended grace to us. We responded to that grace, and we now know the fruit that is born from our lives through our relationship with Christ as a result of the time that was extended to us. And he asked us to do the same thing for people. When we look at people, to know that who you are looking at does not define that person. It is it is how they respond to the grace of God that is going to make the difference. And we don't know how they're going to respond to the grace of God until given the opportunity.
What else do you have first, George? Well, uh, one story that I've always liked is the story of Tamar. Um, and it's, it's a little bit weird, I know, but uh, just the fact that she falls in the genealogy of Christ, that she's one of the five women listed. Um, they are the others being Ruth, who was from uh, Moab, which was a cursed people, um, Bathsheba, who you know, had the affair with David, Rahab, who is an actual prostitute, um, then we have Mary. Um, but, you know, just looking at these women that God chose to include in the genealogy of Christ, um, you know, it, not even looking at the men, the terrible things they did, but uh, that he chose to use uh, these specific uh, women in there, that it's freeing, you know, that if God can use them, that he can also use me for things as well. Yeah. I was just going to see how long we go quiet. <laughs> just to give Daniel editing point All there. this will be, will be edited. <laughs> I haven't had to edit this whole time yet. Long pause. Um. Mm, mm, yes. Mm. <laughs> what, <laughs> what else do you have? To, <laughs> just keep going, man. Okay. Just unleash it all. Yeah. All right. So um, let's see. George, in case you don't know, George has these legal pad sheets of paper <laughs> laid on his lap, and uh, and is so him him the, pausing is not trying to make something up. That's right. He he is the most prepared guest we have had to, right. to date. All right, in uh, Matthew 15, um, Jesus is saying that it's not what goes inside of you that defiles you, but what comes out that defiles you. Mm-hmm. And the disciples came up to him and said, do you realize that the Pharisees are offended by this? And Jesus responds by saying, they were offended by that. Well, they're going to be more offended by um, what I'm going to say next. And he just goes on to uh, you know, lambast them, saying that they aren't actually, um, you know, they're the ones who are really sick. They're the ones who... Um, you know, they're the ones who have sinned, uh, that they aren't, uh, oh, it's elsewhere where he says that they are the uh, unwashed tombs, you know, that they're pitted vipers, and uh, just, Jesus is very harsh with the Pharisees. Super uh, He's never afraid of, yeah, he's never afraid of um, confronting them on that, but then he's always merciful with um, the sinners and everyone else. And then we go on to uh, Peter, uh, when Jesus asks, you know, who do people say that I am? And he says, um, you are the Christ, the Son of God. But then later on, the very same chapter, Matthew 16, uh, Jesus says, I'm going to die. And Peter takes him aside and rebukes him um, and says, you know, Lord, far be it, this should happen from you. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. So in the same chapter, Peter is praised for, um, you know, it's the Spirit that's revealed this to you. And then in the same chapter, hey, dude, you're listening to Satan. You shouldn't uh, You shouldn't do that. <laughs> Man, right. I relate to Peter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One day I'll be like huge spiritual win, and the next minute I'm like doing something stupid. Yeah. And you know, the, the, the pivoting point is Jesus is saying, in this moment, you listen to the Holy Spirit. In this moment, you're listening yeah. to Satan. <laughs> so let me help you understand. Help learn discernment there. You know, in that part about, uh, I was reading about how God reveals himself. The Holy Spirit reveals to Peter who Jesus is. There's a huge thing that Jesus is communicating, and that is we do not know who he is apart from the revelation of the Holy Spirit. There was a person on Facebook a while back who sent a message to me, or and um, actually it was, wasn't a message to me, it was just a message out there asking the question, can anybody show how homosexuality is wrong without using Jesus, God, or the Bible? And it illustrated something that I think, well, definitely the world doesn't understand. I think the church doesn't understand because without the revelation of God's word that homosexuality is wrong, we wouldn't know that homosexuality is wrong. 
it is only wrong because it is revealed to be wrong in God's word. There is nothing right or wrong outside of what God reveals to us as being right or wrong. The authority of the scripture that we have, we say it has authority because Jesus gives it authority. And you have to go back to starting with God and he gives us, he reveals himself through the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus proves that he is God through his death, burial, resurrection, and the fact that he ascends to heaven, he has witnesses, people see this, his word is affirmed, he heals people constantly, you see these things, he brings people back from the dead to illustrate his power, to illustrate his connection. The apostles see this deity, you know, and there Peter is, seen, you are the Christ, and and Peter isn't capable of seeing that except that God reveals this to him. So they have this revealed, they record it, Jesus himself affirms the Old Testament, that is why we know it is the word of God. Uh, and so you have God himself saying, this is my word. So he He himself gives authority to the Bible saying, this is my word. So that's all we have. We don't have Jesus here in the flesh speaking to us on a regular basis, telling us what's right, what's wrong. But he did give us his word. And that's all we have. And so if his word reveals something to be true, then that is what is true for us. So to say that, you know, how can you prove this outside of the Bible uh, is really to not really understand our whole faith. Our whole faith is based only on what God's word reveals. Because if you take that away, then people do what is right in their own eyes. And the word even tells us that that's what will happen. Every, every man does what is right in his own eyes. And so you do what's right for you, and George does what's right for him, I do what's right for me. But But the word gives us this it really only matters what the word says. So if you wonder why we take the time to read through the Bible, this is a great moment to talk about how important our Understanding Jesus podcast is. If you're wondering why we encourage our church to read through the Bible and on a regular basis, to know it and understand it and to and to dive into it and to pull it apart, it's because this is the only way we know what how God thinks, what he wants us to do, what his design is for his life. We believe in the total sufficiency of Scripture, that we don't have to find it outside of that, that if it's not within it, then it's not really even necessary for us to know. Uh, so it's a, uh, that's, that is a huge moment. Uh, and again, like you said, and then he blows it the next moment. <laughs> you know, it's like, I've never, you know, because Jesus, Jesus is then saying, I'm, and this is what comes next. God, God has revealed to you that I am the Son of God, and let me, as the Son of God, the Messiah, reveal what's coming next. And then Peter rebukes the Son of God, saying, no, 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 you don't know what you're doing. He goes, no, 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 that is the devil. <laughs> when you say that the Word doesn't know what the Word is, that's not from God. That's, that's from the enemy. We did have some questions um, this week that uh, George sent in. Some other people may have sent in. So, um, George, you, wanna, you have uh, those. Do you want to share your questions, George? Yeah. Sure. Um, so, well, just one of the questions that I've uh, always had is, uh, Joseph, you know, he's a righteous man that we really don't see any instance of sin in his life. But yet when he puts um, the cup in his brother's sack that it's called his divining cup. And like, don't you know that he uses for divination? Yeah. And so that question is not on your list. I'm just going to say, <laughs> right now, you're, you're, uh, this blindsidedness, throwing him out there. Uh, you know that. Uh, well, Joseph uh, would have seen this coming. <laughs> oh, <laughs> if I just had my cup of divination, all I have is my water bottle of truth. But the, uh, you know, 
it's a great question because I w- when I was going through the reading uh, this week too, that was something that stood out to me as well. And w- the only thing I could pull from it was that um, that there are a lot of Egyptian type things that he was saying, doing, not to be, to, it seemed like he was kind of being coy with his brothers. It was kind of like he was saying, this is what you think about me, mm-hmm. or these are things you're, but though I don't believe it was the reality, I believe he was saying that he's a sorcerer or a magician or whatever, because he clearly states to the Egyptians, to the Pharaoh, that these are not, yeah, these are not gifts that I have. I'm just going to tell you what the Lord reveals to me. These are not powers that I possess. But, but it's kind of like he's saying, you're coming to me thinking that these are, you know, that I'm some Egyptian magician and, uh, and just using language that he is thinking that they already think about him. But I don't believe he's saying that about himself or that he actually isn't giving any type of uh, credit to a cup of divination. But I could but I mean if you were traveling to Egypt and you were his brothers and you see this very powerful person and he has and I'm sure that's the legend that has gone out there that he has these abilities to see the future and that's why he has all this power that he's just playing into their preconceived notions of who he is. All right. Uh, well, one of the questions that was sent in um, is it possible to over-spiritualize the text? Uh, we're pulling different things from it. You know, where do we see Jesus in here? Uh, what is this, how does this apply to us? And I believe you had said last week that, uh, you know, what what God is saying to the people in the Old Testament, he's saying to the people then, but we can also pull the truth to apply to our life today. But is it possible to over-spiritualize the text? Oh, absolutely. I, I think it's very important to clarify when we say that we find Jesus in every aspect of the text to understand that sometimes that's in broad strokes. It's in talking about the overall redemptive plan that God has for his people, how he's leading up to Christ. Sometimes you could take a verse or two verses. Um, you know, I think sometimes people, a good example is when you read in the book of Job, and we talked about this before, um, when you're talking about his friends who are there and they're speaking to Job, we know that what they are saying isn't <laughs> worth remembering because it's wrong and God rebukes him for it. But you could, I've seen people try to take a passage from that or from somewhere else and say, I see Jesus in here, or this is, you know, I think God is saying something in this. Uh, that to me would be over-spiritualizing the text or, or at least trying to pull things out of context or not not understanding the intent of what God put it there for. When you say that the Old Testament gives us the ability to understand Jesus or that we can find Jesus in all of it, it's taking, like we did just earlier, Taking the book of Genesis as a whole and saying we see God, the created order, well, that points us to Christ. We see his covenant with Noah, that points us to Christ. Uh, in fact, Jesus makes references back to the flood and connects that with himself, with his own plan. We see how Abraham is pulled out of darkness and, and how the 12 tribes are established and how this this covenant order and his establishment of his people and, and giving them a promised land, how this points us toward Christ. And, and Christ's calling of his 12 disciples takes us back to Israel and, and how and how he, now the church is established and so forth. So in broad strokes, but if you took particular stories, you know, such as, uh, well, I mean, you have Tamar, the story mm-hmm. of Tamar. The story itself, you know, doesn't seem very Christ-like in essence, but it does bring us into the genealogy of Christ. It does connect Judah uh, with uh, with Jesus, well, first with King David, and then ultimately with uh, with Christ. So yes and no. I think yes, it, it all does point to Jesus, and with any 
passage, you, you can find it. I, I, the, the important thing is not to think of it like six degrees of separation or you remember six degrees of Kevin Bacon years ago mm-hmm. they used to do. I don't know if you're – I'm way before Daniel's time. This is, before, this is <laughs> way before you guys. Here. But anyway, uh, there were guys watching – you've heard of the movie Footloose. I've I've heard of it. Yes, <laughs> legend legend, legend has says it. legend has it. Um, Kevin anyway. Bacon, yes, like in the Guardians of the Galaxy, he was a great hero. Yes, exactly, exactly true. Kevin Bacon, um, uh, years ago, they were watching it and said, "Can you t- connect any actor with Kevin Bacon through less than six connections?" And it came from this idea of six degrees of separation, meaning that we could connect any two people in the world uh, six times. That's not what we're talking about. It's not six degrees of separation from Christ, you know. And and if you look at the Old Testament, eventually you'll work your way to Jesus. It is seen that the Old Testament is God Himself giving us a word and pointing us in the direction of Christ. He, there's a reason He is giving us the story. There is a pertinence to the revelation of who the Messiah is going to be. It's all moving us toward the need for a Messiah and then revealing who that Messiah is going to be. Um, another question. This kind of dips into last week there at the end. Uh, Genesis 36 um, is all about the genealogy of Esau and his descendants and uh, them going to the land of Seir and developing their kingdom there. But uh, this is a kingdom of fallen men. We're not given mm-hmm. any indication that uh you know, they're ever redeemed or anything. So why is this genealogy in scripture? He actually does that multiple times with different, if you want to say pagan genealogies, he takes the genealogy of Cain and that seems to have no reason whatsoever. But especially with Esau, though, establishing them as the Edomites. Now, remember, again, we talked about Moses is the one who is recording this, writing this down for the people of Israel. This is this is their Torah. This is their their law that they're going to hold on to their story and understand that God has called them out of Egypt to go and displace a people from a land and that they're going to encounter these people. They're going to war against these people. And so here you have him saying, this is this is where these people come from. Knowing the heritage of the people who you're now going to, in some ways, seek to eradicate or at least pass judgment upon, knowing their story and how they got to where they are is kind of is part of that process is at least identifying them these are not god's people these are not part of the god's story you are a part of this story you are a part of his heritage and so therefore god is giving you taking their land and he's giving it to you there is a different relationship between the people of Israel and the Edomites uh, than with others because of the connection that goes back to being both sons of J- uh, both sons of uh, Isaac. And so so it gives it a little bit but it, but at least but that's the reason for all those uh, because these are the people you're looking at. You know, it's like, uh, who are these people? And so you look back and Moses has said, well, these, this is where these people come from. And like, for instance, in, um, like you said, we were looking back with Light's daughters, and um, I think it's uh, Moab and Ammon uh, are the two sons that are born there. So the Moabites and the Ammonites, who are also going to be people that they war against. So, and the Canaanites, the curse of Canaan, you know, that, that is given out in Noah's story, you know, and so that's the very people they're going to displace. So, um, again, this kind of dips into last week, though, with Matthew 11, uh, Jesus talks about that his uh, burden is easy and his load is light, but he has already said, you know, unless you take up your cross and follow me, you know, and he's he's given them what seems to be a hard path to follow, and yet he says his burden is easy and his load is light. How is that? Yeah. Um, the, um, the idea of the 
my burden is light. When he talk, talks about taking the yoke upon, um, it's a great illustration of um, you have this picture that his disciples and the followers of Jesus would understand when you, and if you drive through that area of the country, it's not uncommon to see a pair of oxen pulling a plow through a field and so forth. And so when they would have a, a young ox that would come along and they're trying to get that ox to tread tr that path, they would take the, the giant ox, who's the strongest ox you have, and you take this younger ox and you put it on the same yoke. I don't know if you know the yoke has that for the, mm -hmm. the two things um, where the steers go through. But um, so you have the, the two oxen that are being pulled. And so the young oxen, the young ox is not really carrying the load. He's just being really dragged along <laughs> by the big ox, but he's learning this straight path to go back and forth. And so when he's saying, come alongside me and my load is light, he's saying, I'm carrying the burden. I'm the one, if you, if you walk alongside me, I'm going to carry the burden that will be light. If that young ox goes off of that path, if he starts to strain, that's where the bulk of the pain comes from. And the strain is because he's not going in the direction that uh, the, the ox knows to go. And so same way it is with uh, Jesus, when we are not walking in sync with him, we're not walking with God. It's much more difficult than when we are walking in sync with him. And so he's saying this is all these people, all these religions and, and all these laws that the Pharisees have put on top of you and burdened you down with. And and you're trying to figure out, do I do this right? Did I do this right? Did I do this right? And made it so complex and so difficult. And, and everything, every time you think you get it right, there's another teacher who comes along and says, no, you didn't do it quite this way. And it needs to be done this way and so forth. And so you just have this huge burden. Am I good enough for God? Am I doing what? And, and, and he's saying, you know, if you come to me and follow my teaching, walk beside me, he goes, I'm, I'm eliminating all of that. I'm going to simplify this. In fact, he does. He says, you know what? Let's take the 600 plus commandments and let's just narrow it down to one. I'm going to ask you to do one thing, and that's to love other people as I've loved you. And, uh, and gives that to his disciples. And that was him saying, that's how light the load is. Now, that's not easy to do. <laughs> that's a very difficult thing to do. But it is much easier empowered by Christ to do what Christ, in fact, even says, if you come to me and ask me anything in my name in order to accomplish what it is I've asked you to do, I will do that for you. I will carry that load. I will bear that burden. Um, and, and creating this relationship as long as you're walking in sync with me. Another great picture that was in, I think it's in this part, where um, I'm thinking where uh, Peter walks on water. Is that, is that our reading this week? Yes, it was in... 14. Chat, good. Because uh, that's also great. My wife had a picture uh, that she was circulating around uh, this week of of being, you're like, it's like you're in the water and Jesus is looking down into the water and his hand is coming down into the water to pick you up. And I've always loved that because uh, it is it is the best portrayal. That story is one of the best portrayals of what happens, why it becomes difficult for us. Walking on water is not only difficult, it's impossible, mm -hmm. apart from Christ. But with Christ, obviously, it was possible because Peter did it. He stepped out of the boat. He walked on the water. And then it tells us he began to look at the wind and the waves. He began to think, I can't do this. This is. He took his eyes off of Christ. It was no longer something he was doing in sync in his relationship with Christ. It was something he was doing on his own. And the moment he started doing it on his own, fear overtook him, and he sank. 
He had the right response. He cried out to Jesus to save him, and Jesus did. Uh, he pulled him up, and again, he brought him back to with him and secured him and got him to where he needs to be. And this is this is the nature of that relationship. It's going to be heavy and, and hard only when we are trying to bear the load on our own, when we're not in that close relationship with Christ. Excellent. Well, George, thank you so much for joining us this week. Uh, we'll... We'll pray about having you back next week, I suppose. And <laughs> Glad to be here. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Hmm. Well, um, you'll, you'll run, run a few laps around the block. We'll, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll meet you all back here next week. Next week, if you want to get a head start on the reading, is Exodus chapters 1 through 16. You can get in Psalms chapters 15 through 18. In Proverbs, we'll be in chapter 4, verse 25 through chapter 6, verse 15. And we will be in Matthew chapter 17 through 21. I'm really excited. I've got a lot to go over. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. Get into We begin the Exodus. The Exodus story. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening to the Understanding Jesus podcast put on by First Baptist Church of Jackson. If you would like more information, you can find us online on our website at firstbaptistjackson.com. Email us at daniel at firstbaptistjackson.tv or you can find us on social media, First Baptist Jackson on Facebook and FBCJMO on Instagram. We've got a lot of content in all of those places and we would love to hear your questions on the content that we cover. If you would like to be a part of the podcast, you can email us and message us at any of those ways or you can call the church office at 573 243 8415 and we would love to hear from you. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week.